Bible says in First Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. As I researched today's lesson, I came across some photos in the Courier Journal that were celebrating the not celebrating, but remembering the 30th anniversary of a C-130 where I served as chaplain in the Kentucky Air National Guard, crashed into Drury Inn and uh, killed five air crew members and 11 civilians. Keith, I'm not sure if you're aware, but there were, this was a plumbing convention and uh, I attended all five funerals and more, and several of the funerals of those 11 plumber families. I was on the death notification teams for all five members. I've never seen in my whole life, I just, I was about 30, what, 34 maybe, years old, I just, young cap, just promoted that year to captain. And I was young, but I was acquainted with grief because I'd lived through it as a pastor and through my own mom's death. But I'd never seen people grieve as hard as those spouses and that one mom, because one air crew member was single. Mrs. Medley was her name. And I've never seen grief that hard and that deep in my life. So as we think about Memorial Day, honoring those who gave their lives while serving in the armed forces, whatever branch of service that came back to my memory. If you want to look it up, it's in the Courier Journal. Just Google something about C-130 crash, 1992. And this year is the 30th anniversary of that crash. Today's message is about God's comfort to us in our grieving times. God promises us in the Word of God to comfort you and me with His powerful presence of grace. There's only two little points in the sermon today. It shouldn't be longer than two or three hours. Have anybody in a hurry this morning? And the first point simply says, embrace the grief. What I've come to learn is when you embrace the grief, then you'll be embraced by the grace of God. Let's talk about that. We're not only grieving today for the uh, military families that have lost a loved one, but we also are grieving deeply for communities that are suffering today. Folks uh, the tw of the uh, 20... One victims that were slaughtered, literally slaughtered. I get angry when I think about this in Uvalde, Texas. I get angry when I think about the innocence of those children and 
they're on the telephone trying to call for help and no one's coming to help them. And what that must have been like as that cruel, devilish, Satan-inspired incident where that young man played sad songs from his little stereo and shot a hundred bullets into that classroom, locking himself in. We grieve. We grieve. Grief incidents like that always hook our own personal pilgrimage of grief. You can't go to a funeral home and visit someone without remembering a particular passing or grief in your own life. It may be the passing of your mama, your daddy, your grandparent, a favorite uncle or aunt or friend or neighbor next door, or your puppy dog. Grief is grief. And I know it's difficult to sit here and listen to some of this, but God's going to minister to you today. And I'm going to tell you how he's going to do it. It's going to end up being a good message for you. We talk about grief. We talk about the stages of grief. First, there's shock and denial. Can't believe this is happening. And then there's this anger. Why did this happen? God, why did you let it happen? And then there's this bargaining phase we go through. God, if you would, but just, God, if you will, I will. You, we try to make deals with God. And then there's constant depression that grief brings along to us. And finally, there's some degree of acceptance. And there was a day when Kubler-Ross developed, Dr. Kubler-Ross developed these five stages, that we pastors would tell people, first there's denial, then there's anger, then there's bargaining, then there's depression, and now you're free in the stage of acceptance. It don't work that way. Some days you're angry and you just want to kick something. My favorite movie is Steel Magnolias, and the mother of the of the lady that died is walking away from the graveside and she said, I'm just so mad. I'm just so mad. I, I want to I slap somebody. And the other character says, here, slap Wheezy. Slap Wheezy. That's, that's, my favorite, that's my favorite line in Steel Magnolias that was filmed in the town where I came from, to Louisville, Natchitoches, Louisiana, oldest settlement in the Louisiana Purchase. Some of my church members was in that movie in the, in the back. Isn't that something? No, some days you feel like, Okay, I've accepted it now. And then you go back to saying, no, I'm angry again. And then you, then you say, I can't believe this has happened. And then we question God. And then we try to bargain with God. And, and then there's this constant depression. And, and, and what, do we, what do we do with all this? It's all mixed in together. But we do walk through it. As the psalm says, Yea, though I walk through, though I step through the valley of this shadow, I won't live in fear. For thou art with me in this valley of the shadows. Why is it so hard to grieve? I am not an expert at it and did not do it well. When my mother died, my dad and I lived at the house together for about a year and a half. We never spoke her name. We were afraid to grieve. And in his generation, you might have tear might have come down but you sucked it up and you went back to work and you hauled logs and you fed your family and you just kept going but today we talk about dealing with it and working with it why is it so hard well one reason is we are averse to loss we don't like to lose we don't like pain 
And we have a hard time being vulnerable to other people and just opening up and saying, this is my hurting heart. We don't trust everybody. And we do need a trusted friend, whether it be a pastor and hopefully a trusted Christian friend. It's hard to open up. It's hard to talk about the depths of that grief and that pain. It's hard. It's hard work. Grief is hard work. And it doesn't, you never get over working on it. You work on it for the rest of your life. If anybody tells you just get over it, slap them like you'd slap Wheezy. Just reach up and, well, don't do that, but in your mind and your heart, tell them, I need a new friend. Go find a new friend. There are no simple answers to your and my unique grief. Because grief is a mystery. It's a spiritual journey. And it's a journey we all have to walk. It's a trail we all walk upon. The English poet William Wadsworth said, All of us are travelers between life and death. We all must walk this path. So what is good grief? One of the things we need to get familiar with in good grieving is called catharsis. What is catharsis? Catharsis is grieving and letting out whatever is in the soul that wants to get out, the emotions that want to get out. How many of you have ever had a sick stomach? And you, okay, don't, don't raise your hand. I'm sorry. It's, this is a rhetorical thing. Some of you are like, well, should I? And you, and you felt, if you could just throw up, you'd, be be, you'd feel better. That's catharsis. I had a throwing up experience this week. And I thank God for it. Yeah, we lost a son. And um, it hurts. And in preparing this message, I relive all that as your pastor. But one evening, in the living room, God got it out of me. Just like throwing up. And I threw up for how long? I don't know, a long time. And I hollered and yelled in the house. Even said a thing or two to my wife that I had to apologize for. But now it feels so much better. Folks, grief can hurt if you keep it in. It, it's kind of like going to the beach. Some people are at the you know, in the cold water of the lake right now. I know the lake water is not too hot and warm today, so I feel for campers that are trying to boat. But anyway, grief and depression when you hold it. Grief becomes depression when you hold it down like a ball in the water, you know, like a beach ball in the water. And it wants to float up to the top, and it wants to be dealt with. In fact, in the Bible days, when a loved one passed away, the Jewish people hired people to come and weep and wail and help them to weep and wail for up to two weeks. Up to two weeks. So they could deal with it, ache and feel that hurt in their soul. And I know we don't like to be vulnerable, but grief wants to be expressed. Because you've loved deeply, you grieve deeply. But when you finally let it out, 
You can question God. You can call God names. It's okay to wonder what God's doing. But just whatever it takes, let it go. Let it go. Well, that doesn't happen the day after the funeral. It's been almost two years for me. Almost two years. William Wadsworth, or not him, but someone else has said, the pain of grief like this is God's way of reminding us that we're still alive. We're still alive. And God wants to do a work in your life in the midst of your grief. That brings me to the second point of our message today. Embrace God's grace. When you embrace the grief, you will be embraced by the grace of God. Listen to the word of the Lord. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all mercies, and the God of what? All comfort. The God of all mercy and comfort. The grief journey requires mercy from God. And it is God alone who understands what it means to lose a child or a son or daughter because he gave his own. Who comforts us in all our afflictions. Let's stop there for just a minute. Jesus wants to invite wants us to invite him into our grief and our affliction we do that by hearing the word of the lord and i'm glad it's quiet right now because i want to invite some of you if you wish to do this just close your eyes and hear the word the healing word of god if you don't want to that's fine too Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Psalm 23. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Psalm 147. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Isaiah, prophesying of the coming Messiah, Jesus, was a man of sorrows and very acquainted with grief. Blessed are you who mourn, for you will be comforted by God. In my Father's house, Jesus said, are many, many rooms for you. I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come and I will receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And he will wipe away every tear from our eyes, that we may not grieve, as do the rest who have no hope, but we grieve with hope. Folks, that is the word of the Lord to us today. So we not only need to hear the comforting words of God, 
that he wants to bring hope to, to us in our grief. We need to trust some things about God. We need to trust that we are living in this tension between grief and hope. Yes, we grieve in my family about a, a Daniel who passed away October two years ago. But we also have hope. You see, today, my grandson's getting baptized. And this afternoon, the older brother is going to be questioned in an ordination council to be a pastor elder in his church. We have grief, but we have hope. And we have two little grandchildren, and one of them is going to be baptized today. That's the tension we live in. We grieve not as the world grieves without hope that there's a resurrection. We grieve with the hope of the gospel. We believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We believe that Jesus came from heaven to earth. We believe that Jesus took upon our sins, upon himself, though he was innocent, though he was truly God and he was truly human. We believe that Jesus took our sins and, and suffered our sorrows, who was a man acquainted with grief and sorrow, and he was cruelly beaten and smitten, and a crown of thorns were crushed on his head, and all that pain and suffering, he was placed upon that cross, and they nailed his hands in that cross, and they nailed his feet in that cross, and he died dead. For three days. We believe on the third day Jesus was raised from the dead by the power of God. Appeared to 500 people and then close followers of Him. And from Mount Olive He ascended into heaven and one day He's coming back again. And we're going to be in heaven with Him for all of eternity. Folks, that's the gospel. That is my hope. That is your hope. That is the only hope this world has. Wayne Oates wrote about that passage of Scripture we read this morning. He said, you know, the early Christians knew that grief is best managed by reinvesting life in ministry to others. And that's what I've done. I've learned to do. I've learned to engage again. We've got to engage again. Yes, we're depressed, but we need to engage in people, engage in ministry, engage in giving of ourselves to others. You may want to give a thank offering for your beloved that has passed away. You may want to start working with children, adults, youth, Come out of that depression by engaging. Engage. Hey, folks, Top Gun's out, right? And the most famous line in Top Gun is, Maverick is engaging. He was going through his grief of losing his pilot buddy. Engage, Maverick. Engage. And he did. And he won whatever they won. Well, God's calling you and me to do that, too to engage in life again. It's okay to have fun. I spoke with a family this week who's lost their um, mom,
whose husband was a deacon here at one time, the Basham family. Talked to the Miss uh, Francis Nell. Talked to the daughter that took care of her down in uh, Florida. Come to find out, she was a member of my church at Parkland in Louisville. Knew her kids. They're about the age of my kids. And she'd been taking care of her mother for a long time. She's the nurse. Sims is her last name. And uh, I said, first thing I said was, you know, it's okay to feel relieved. She said, I'm so glad you told me that. Nobody's ever told me that. It's okay to feel relieved when you've been caring for someone for so long and the Lord has called them to heaven and you just can't cry anymore because you've been grieving all this time. You've been anticipating, they call it anticipatory grief, you've been anticipating a long time and because you've taken so good care of them, it's okay to feel a sense of relief. So invest in other people. Find a ministry and welcome the new chapter that's coming to you. I know you don't want the change and I know you don't want to embrace this change because we don't like change unless we profit from it. But when we have lost, that's what we don't want. But the change has happened. Our beloved is gone. Embrace that change. Find a place for God to use you in blessing other people because now, now you have a very special gift. It's right there in verse 4. So that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. Well, how are we comforted by God? For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. The grace of God will get you through whatever you're going through. And uh, expressing your feelings to God, you won't die, you, it, won't, it won't kill you, God won't strike you with lightning. He knows already how you really feel. God wants to bring a gospel purpose out of our suffering. Yes, you have a new mission. Somebody needs you. Somebody needs to hear your story. And somebody will be comforted. Christian suffering, somebody said, is like a greenhouse. If you'll embrace it with grace, can't help but grow. I'll stop there. I've given you a lot to think about. But remember the word of God. I will not abandon you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Father, this has been a difficult sermon for some. For others, uh, maybe not so heavy. But Lord, I thank you for your grace in my life so that I don't bawl and squall every time I get up now to talk about grief and suffering. And I can minister to people out of that experience. Thank you that you call us to engage in ministry to others. Because investing in other people, even through our affliction and suffering, is why we're still here on earth. Father, 
bless this congregation and anyone listening by Facebook with the abundant grace that is greater than all our suffering. Anoint them, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, who was raised from the dead by the power of Almighty God. Now, as we give this invitation, there's someone here and there that needs to just step forward and say, I'm trusting Jesus to be my Savior and my Lord, to forgive me of my sin. I just need to declare it publicly and not be ashamed of the Lord. May they come while we sing. Others may want to unite with our church from a sister church of like faith and order. Whatever decision needs to be made at the pew, God, take this message in your word and accomplish what you desire. I pray it in Jesus' name. All who agreed said. You've been listening to the Sunday morning worship service of the Ekron Baptist Church. You too can accept the eternal life offered by Jesus Christ. First, admit that you are a sinner. Then believe that Jesus Christ can forgive you of your sins and ask him to come into your heart and change your life. Then confess your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. If you've made this decision today, write to us at the Ekron Baptist Church. 2775 Hayesville Road, Ekron, Kentucky, 40117. If you're looking for a church home, we invite you to be a part of our growing family with programs and Bible studies for all ages. Join us next Sunday at 11 a.m. for morning worship from the Ekron Baptist Church. Until that time, may God bless.